Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. John chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up on your screens. If you're watching online, we'll do the same. Beginning in verse 1, if you're there, can you say amen? Amen. The word of the Lord says this. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God rose from supper he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel tied it around his waist then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him he came to Simon Peter who said to him Lord do you wash my feet Jesus answered him What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, what if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but he's completely clean. And you are. You are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew one who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right. So I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you beautiful passage we're going to pause right there we're going to talk about everything that happened on this Thursday what a beautiful story Jesus on this Thursday less than 24 hours from when his life will be expired he's He's hanging out with the disciples and he washes their feet. We'll talk about this Thursday. We'll talk about what this means. If you can, I would love for you to stay toward the end. I want us to pray for one another and I want us to worship together. And unless it's an emergency, I completely understand. But why don't we stay together as long as we could today, just a little bit before the 1 p.m. And we're going to pray. And I believe that God's going to heal us today. I believe God's going to do something beautiful in this service as we talk about the creator who became creation. And today, if you're taking notes, I'm going to talk to you from this title or this subject, Down to the Dirt. Down to the Dirt. Write that down if you're taking some notes. We're going to talk about this for about 25, 26 minutes. Then we'll worship Jesus, sing Hosanna one more time, and then we'll go outside, grab some coffee, and hang with some friends. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray, and then we'll talk about John chapter 13. Father, we thank you so much. We love you. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace. Thank you for this day, Palm Sunday, as we remember all that you accomplished on that day as you came in as a humble king, servant king. We thank you, Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. 
we will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the details of what you did on those final days before you went to the cross. As we lean in and look to you today, God, we pray that you would heal us, help us open up our eyes so that we may see you and live a life that's passionate about you. God, we love you. We thank you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray that all of Calvary says. Oh, come on. All of Calvary says. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. I was reading an article recently that talked about monarch butterflies, the big, orange, beautiful butterflies. My wife absolutely detests them. She's scared of butterflies. True story, I took her to a butterfly garden once. She couldn't even make it halfway through the park, and just a terrible experience. And I just, has nothing to do with the message. I just want to put that out there. These butterflies are absolutely beautiful, and a lot of them live in Canada and North America, but every fall, there's a major migration where these butterflies, they make their way down south to Mexico, and past a certain state on the west, they make their way toward California, and they literally travel up to 3,000 miles trying to make it someplace for winter, and most of them go down to Mexico for winter. Wouldn't it be nice to go to Mexico for winter? We're not bad. We're in South Florida, so it's a good winter, but all these butterflies, they go down south. This recent study said that butterflies who've been held in captivity for any number of days or months, when released, they have lost their sense of direction, and they cannot join the migration. They are lost. And they can't make their trip. Have you ever been lost? Yeah. You ever been lost? Yeah. Whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally. I've been lost many times in my life. Spiritually, physically, emotionally. I've been, lo I've been lost physically when I don't listen to Waze. When I don't listen to the GPS. When I don't listen to the GPS Diana. Come on. I've been lost. <laughs> I've been lost. And I think all of us can relate. We've been lost. I've been lost many times emotionally when we don't know how to process our emotions and we don't know what to do with them when we feel a certain way. I've been lost on how do I deal with these emotions? What do I do with what I'm feeling? I've been lost spiritually when I decide to ignore God's law and God's word and God's direction for my life. I, I've ended up in places that I shouldn't be. We've all been lost. When it comes to greatness, what is greatness? What is a great life? If we're not careful, I also have wondered, what is greatness? What is greatness? And, and how do I live a life that's great? I've been lost in that aspect as well. Because our world will tell us that to be great is to be noticed, to be heard, to be validated, to have possessions and power. And so if you're not careful, if that's your definition of greatness, you might end up somewhere you don't want to end up. You might not make the true journey to the right destination because you got lost on your way to greatness. Are you understanding me? In fact, I put it this way today. Bad directions never result in good destinations. Right? When we have no idea what is greatness, how do I get there? If I don't have the proper definition of greatness, I might end up living a life that's not the true meaning of greatness. I think our world, our culture... Our society today, oh, come on, how many know it's lost its direction? Yeah. It's lost in di its direction in every sense. I mean, come on, in today's world right now, we're calling good evil and evil good. Yeah. We've lost our direction when it comes to our moral code and, and when it comes to the compass of life and where we go. Our world today is lost. 
You just turn on the TV for a few minutes and you'll see that we are law and we're trying to make it on our own. We're trying to define things on our own when the word of God has already given us the answer. But nowadays, we're just making up our own definitions of what is good, what is bad, what is great, what is not. And the world is a mess. We're defining gender however we want. We're defining marriage however we want. We are saying what is good and what we should be done. Our world is a loss today. And if you're not careful, you'll see what destiny we end up at if we continue to walk on our own path to what we think is the answers of life. Our nation is lost, and I really think we will lose as a nation if we continue to carve out our own space and our own journey, thinking that we know more than God. But here we are lost. And I imagine you as well have probably questioned, what is this great life? How do I live a life of greatness? What is this great life that I should live? What is a great marriage? What is a great life? And if you were to ask around, many people would say, well, greatness is having the best car. Greatness is having the most followers on Instagram and starting today, you can pay $7 and be have verified, have a blue check next to your username. <laughs> and that is a sense of greatness. I'm known, I'm valued, I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm living a great life. And people go to great lengths to be heard and seen and notified thinking that that is some form of greatness. Humanity has an inclination to be great. We want to be in the front of the line. We want to be seen. We want to be the people at the very top. Dr. Martin Luther King, he said, we want to be the drum major on the front of the line. That somebody will see us. Pastor J. Wallace Hamilton said, we like to do something good. And you know we like to be praised for it. The warm glow when we feel ourselves applauded, when we see our names in print, is vitamin A to our ego. Oh, when people recognize us, when people see us, when people see the gift, the talent that we have, when people talk about us, and if they talk about others, we might get a little bit envious. We want to be great. And greatness means I got to be the first and most recognized. I will put up a selfie every day until I get enough likes to satisfy my ego. I'll put up a picture of my bang bang shrimp at Bonefish Grill so people know what I'm eating. And it's a good lunch. Can I get an amen? Amen. We will do everything possible for people to to see us and for people to like us. We are addicted to attention. We want people to see us. We want to be great. And if we're not careful, we will live the wrong life and end up in the wrong destiny because we thought this was great. And so what we do is that we buy things we can't afford with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Oh, you're not hearing me. Come on, 11 a.m. I don't even like you. You don't even know me, but I want you to like my picture. I want you to follow me because that is greatness. I have the most followers. I'm a check out a blue check. I'm verified. People know my name, and yet you are broke, busted, and disgusted. But you'll go to great lengths so that, oh, come on, somebody talk to me. This is how we live our world. We can't even make the payments on our car, but we'll do it to impress the neighbor. Oh, come on, we're not even happy with ourselves. A lot of people, what they do is that they dress up the outside just to pretend everything is okay on the inside. I know a whole lot of people that look good on the outside, but they're broken on the inside. But all we want to do is look great. All we want to do is pretend that we know what great looks like. On the inside is what matters. It's the soul of humanity. To be great on the inside is better than to be great on the outside. But we've got it twisted. And the Bible tells us what greatness is. Jesus is going to define a life of greatness. 
Greatness is not about how high you can go. Greatness is about how low you can go. Greatness is not about how much you possess, how much you can earn, how much you can keep. Greatness is not that. Greatness is who can you serve. You want to be great? Be great in service. Come on, be great in love. The Bible teaches us what a life of greatness really means. Today, some of us, we followed the wrong directions to greatness, and it's just left us stressed. It's left us broke. It's left us anxious. It's left us with no hope, with no joy, trying to live a life of pretend. The only life that is fulfilling is a life in service to God, saying, I walk in my purpose. I walk in my calling. God, can you use me? I want to be your hands and your feet. Amen. Amen. I put it this way today. A life of service is the way to greatness. What's the direction to greatness? It's a life of service. Jesus, he's going to give us the picture on this day right before he goes to the cross. We've been studying the final days of Jesus. And if if you've been with us for the past five weeks, we've looked at every day. We talked about Palm Sunday, which is today what we remember a few weeks ago when Jesus came into the city riding on a donkey, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. And here comes the king and the crowds are all around him. And what are they saying? Hosanna, Hosanna on the highest. Hosanna literally means please save us. They recognize Jesus riding on the donkey. They remember Zechariah's prophecy, and they're like, there he is. Save us, save us. That was Sunday. Jesus goes into Jerusalem. He goes back to Bethlehem at night. He comes Monday. Monday was the day that he's looking for fruit, and he finds the fig tree, remember, with no fruit. Then he goes into the temple, and they have dry spirituality. They have a dead spirituality, and he's like, I want real fruit in your life, and that's the day that he teaches that. Tuesday is the day where they interrogate him, and what he does, he turns the tables on them, and he interrogates humanity. And he's like, who's your authority? Who is leading your life? Make sure you submit to the real authority, the author and the finisher of life. Wednesday, we learned last week that Jesus takes the day to rest while one person is getting ready to betray him. And that's Judas, who's made up his mind to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. And we would sell him out for much less than that. Thursday, he's with his disciples. And And we don't know much of what happened during the day, but at some point in the afternoon, he tells his disciples, I want you to go and find an upper room, and I want you to prepare dinner because we're all going to have one last dinner together. The disciples go, and just as he said, they find the room, they prepare the room, and they get the pita chips and hummus, and they get the gyros, and they all get ready because they're going to have one last meal with Jesus. So they're excited about it. Jesus goes up with his disciples, and his disciples are still confused. His disciples still don't get it. His disciples think they're still going to the palace. His disciples still think Jesus is going to be prime minister, president. He is going to rule in Jerusalem. They keep thinking up, but Jesus takes them to an upper room to teach them that you must go down if you want to be great. Jesus has less than 24 hours to live. And what is he doing? He's eating with his friends. And these are not friends that you and I might define as friends, these are friends who are going to leave him in less than 24 hours. One of them betrays him. Another one says, I've never known him. The rest scatter except one named John who stays with Jesus. The rest all leave him. If you tell me I have 24 hours left, I don't think I'll be hanging out with those type of friends. Anybody with me? If, If I had 24 hours left, I'll be hanging out with my wife, with my family, like 
I mean, if they want to stay with me till the end, like I'll be hanging out with people who want to be with me. I don't think I'll hang out with people who will sell me out and leave. Yet Jesus is teaching us this is a life of greatness. You want to live a life of greatness? You want to be great? Why don't you sit down and eat with people who may not really love you the way you think they love you? Why don't you sit down and break some bread with people who may betray you? Why don't you sit down and break some bread with people who look different than you? As we're looking at this Thursday, before this Friday, before we go to the crucifixion, the day before he dies, what is Jesus doing? He's eating with some people that have a false sense of faith. Number one, you want to be great? What do we do? We must live for others. Number one, somebody say live for others. I wonder what we'll do if we had just a few days left. What do we do with our life? Jesus, he sits down at a table and he's serving his disciples. Here he is serving them. The book of John goes into five different chapters of five different topics that Jesus goes into, into this dinner. Jesus is taking hours with them, teaching them, serving them. Do we take time out like that for people? Do we take time out to love people and give people advice and help people out? What we do when life gets strong on us, when, when life pressures us, when life is about to crush us, most of us don't have time for nobody. The last thing that we do is serve others. In fact, we run the other way. Jesus didn't run from them. He ran to them. What we just read in John chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the Oh, come on, somebody. He loved them to the, he loved them to the end. Jesus didn't give up on his disciples, on his friends, on his brothers. He loved them to the end. What does Jesus teach us here? That real love doesn't leave early. Real love doesn't leave early. Imagine if we took this approach to our relationships, to our friendships, to our marriages, to our family life. Real love doesn't leave early. Well, you, you said something I don't like, so I'm just going to walk out. Oh, you treated me a certain way. You offended me, so I'm just going to exit. Jesus says, although you may leave me, I will love you to the very end. That's a life of, that's a life of greatness. It's a life in service. I heard one pastor say, you will never look more like Jesus until you are serving somebody. And you will never look more like Satan until you become very selfish. What's the kind of life that we are going to live? Today, serving someone is our highest calling. Are you following me, Calvary? Yeah. Serving people is our highest calling. As we look to Jesus, as we learn from his last days of life, what are we going to do? We're going to live for others. Amen. We're going to spend time. One pastor said, find a hurt and heal it. Find the need in the world and fill it. Yes. Come on, that's a life of greatness. Amen. A life of greatness is not consumed by our own worlds and wants and needs. Oh, a life of greatness is sitting down with somebody. Even when my life is pressuring me and crushing me, I can still serve my neighbor. Yeah. Author Brendan Manning, he said this, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. <laughs> How come our city doesn't want to know Jesus many times because they've met Jesus followers who say one thing with their mouth, yet they live a certain way. You know what we do? 
Oh, man, you're having a hard problem? Uh, thoughts and prayers, and we leave. I'm all for thoughts and prayers, but there must also be a hand that lends some helping need in a time where life is crushing, and we serve somebody, we sit with somebody. Oh, come on, that's a life of greatness. And so, come on, we're famous for just saying, praying for you. You really don't pray for the person. We say it. As a staff, you know what we started doing? Hey, when we say that, take a moment and pray right there. Because we're not just going to say it. We're going to live it. Jesus is within 24 hours to live. Judas is going to betray him. Peter's talking crazy. He's about to betray him too. And and the rest of them are going to scatter, yet he's having a meal with them. Anybody want more, more hummus? Here it is. He's passing the plate around. Now, Jesus is about to do something else. Number one, he teaches us live for others. Number two, listen to this. He says you have to lower yourself if you want a life of greatness. Lower yourself. Come on, church, pay attention. What's happening this Thursday? He's at this table for hours with his friends. And you know what the disciples are doing? They're playing a game called who's the greatest. Literally, go read the gospels. The disciples are all at the table. And they're all like, oh, I'm going to be the greatest. Oh, when we get to parliament, I'm going to be at the right hand of Jesus. I'm going to be assistant president. Right? They're, they're literally at the table. I'm going to be the greatest. No, you're going to be the greatest. No, I'm going to be the greatest. And they're fighting. You know what Jesus does? At one point, I just, I just imagine in my mind, Jesus puts down his plate. He stands up from his chair. And he goes down to his knees. And he picks up a towel. Wraps it around his waist. And he starts cleaning their feet. Now, to you and me, they're like, okay, Jesus cleaned their feet. Kind of weird, but okay, cool. No, like, you don't understand. In this day and time, this was a shock. Like, they didn't wear the sneakers we have, the shoes we have today. They they wore open-toed shoes. They didn't have asphalt, concrete. They didn't have streets, paved streets like we have. So while you're walking in the streets of Jerusalem, you would pick up dirt. Remember, they also had horses, cows that would walk these streets. So you also had dung on the street. So while you were walking, you picked up dirt and dung on your feet. And usually when you walked into a household, the lowest servant, their title, their position was to come and clean the feet of all those who ate. As you walked in, Literally, the slave of the house or the lowest servant, before you enter the rest of the house, will get down and begin to wash the feet, which also shows us none of the disciples did this, which shows some pride in them. Nobody's going to wash my feet. Well, I ain't washing nobody's feet. I'm going to sit down with dirty feet and eat. (laughs) What does Jesus do? Jesus gets down. He gets down. He grabs a towel and he gets down into the dirt. And he's like, you want to be who's the greatest? You want to play this game on who's the greatest? I'm going to show you who's the greatest. The greatest is not who has the most. The greatest is not status. The greatest is not possessions. The greatest is not having recognition and validation by humanity that's lost and confused. It's not being applauded by people who don't even know where their life is going to end up. Being the greatest is being the greatest in service. Being the greatest in love is going down into the dirt and cleansing those who are dirty. Helping those who can't help themselves. You want to be great, you got to go down to the dirt. And he starts washing their feet. One by one, he starts washing their feet. He gets to Peter, and Peter's like, you will not do this. Peter knows he's the Messiah, and Peter's like, you're not going to wash my feet. He's like, if you don't don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. Peter's like, wash everything, wash everything, Lord, wash everything. (laughs) And Jesus goes, you don't understand now, but you will understand soon. Those who already have taken a bath don't need to be washed again. But your feet need to be cleaned. 
What does this mean? He's, talk, he's given a picture of salvation. Listen to me. We'll finish soon. He's given a picture of salvation. When we become believers in Jesus, when we put our faith and our trust in him, the Bible says we become justified just as if we've never sinned. But then we go through this process, theological term, that's called sanctification. From the moment we get saved to the moment we see Jesus, we need to go through a process where we get cleansed over and over because our feet, our souls, spiritually speaking, touch the ground. And we get dirt and dung on our souls. Life crushes us. Life hits us all. Some of us have dealt with addictions. Some of us have dealt with bad habits. Some of us have been abused, manipulated. Some of us have said things we regret. Some of us have done things we regret. And our soul begins collecting dirt and dung. We're saved. We know Jesus, but man, we got issues. We got issues. Some of us are in here today, and, and we know what it's like. And so we come in here. We, you know what we try to do? We try to cover our dirty feet and pretend like I got no issues. I got it all together. I know every song. Hosanna, I sang that in my youth group. I know it. I'm perfect. We're professional Christians. We're really good at being Christians. And what we do is that we just pretend on the outside that everything's great, but on the inside, we got dirt. And on the, on the inside, we got done. Life hits us all. And every single one of us, we pick up dirt along the way. And we got issues from childhood that follow us. And Jesus is like, you need to come to me daily so that I cleanse you. You're already saved, but, but your feet need to be washed. Your soul needs to be washed every day. The process of deliverance, of sanctification as he deals with us, as he deals with our inclinations, as he deals with our proclivities to go into certain things that we shouldn't do, certain things that we shouldn't say, certain things that we shouldn't. Life is full of dirt and dung and it stains us all and Jesus is the, fe the feet cleanser. Jesus is the soul washer. Jesus is the one that says, come, I'll wash your feet, I'll cleanse your feet. Oh, you want to be great? You got to go down and cleanse some feet. Some of us are in here today, and what we need to know is, like, don't hide your dirty feet. Say, Jesus, cleanse me. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us today. Wash me and make me clean, Lord. Life has made me full of dirt and dung, but if I come to the one who washes the soul, he promises to make me new. 1 John 1 19 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness what a picture in fact you know what he's giving the disciples he's giving them a preview of what happened in eternity past and eternity future because Jesus is at the table and the Bible says that he gets up from the table, he rose up from the table, and he goes down to wash their feet. Jesus is giving them a picture of what happened in eternity past. He was with the Father, and what did Jesus do? He stood up from his throne, and the creation, the creator became a creation. The eternal supreme being became dirt to come amongst our dirt. 
He took off his outer robe. He took off his glory and his riches. He put them aside. He grabbed the towel of humanity, wrapped it around himself, and he came to get down in the dirt of our messes, of our faults, of our flaws, of our addictions, of our bad habits. Oh, the creator became a creation to show us the way, to love us, to help us, to heal us, redeem us, to deliver us, transform us. Down to the dirt he came. Down to the dirt. And for three days, he was going to go down to the dirt. For three days, he would be down in the dirt. But after three days, he would get back up. He'll grab his robes again. He'll put them on. And he'll sit at the right hand of the Father. He's giving them a picture of his mission. And he's giving them a picture of what it means to be great. You want to be great? Go down to the dirt. Calvary. What is Calvary going to do for the next few years, for the next few decades? As long as God gives us life, what are we going to do as a church? You know what we're going to do? We're going to get down. We're going to grab towels and we're going to go down to the dirt. You know what we're going to do? Every month, we're going to continue to go out there and feed the homeless and give them blankets and shirts and towels. You know what we're going to do every week? We're going to continue to go into the women's prison and preach the gospel where we go every single week. We're going to go down to the dirt. Come on. You know what we're going to do? We're going to save human trafficking survivors. And we're going to take them to doctor visits. We're going to house them. We're going to feed them. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go to Boys Town where boys have lost their mom and dad trying to get into this country. We're going to go down to the dirt. We're going to go down to the dirt. Come on. That's Christianity. To get down and dirty. Come on, let's not lose sight. Let's not lose sight of what the mission is. I'm all for having big auditoriums. We need a bigger one right now. I know you can't even breathe. I know, right? And I'm all for big auditoriums. We need a thousand seats, two thousand seats, twenty thousand. I'm all for it. I'm all for campuses. I'm all for that. But don't lose the mission. It's getting down into the dirt of our city. It's loving the unlovable. It's helping the unreachable. It's going down to the dirt. Because he came down to the dirt for me. What does it mean to be good? If we're not careful, we will get into the mix of what a great church is. Look how great we look. We got LED screens. Looks like 3D, IMAX. Let's put LED screens all over. I'm all for that. I love it, but that's not greatness. Having three, four services is amazing, but that's not greatness. Having the best pictures and the best videos on Instagram, that's amazing, but that's not greatness. Jesus says, you want to be great? Like, go down to the dirt. Go down to the dirt. How are we going to change Miami? Grab a towel and cleanse your neighbor's feet. Jesus saves us, but he uses one another to cleanse us. Jesus gets up from the table. He sits back down. And in John 13, 31 through 35, when he had gone out, talk about Judas Iscariot. By the way, he cleansed the feet of a betrayer. That's next level. I would have skipped him. (laughs) Jesus says, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him himself and glorify him at once. Verse 33, little children, yet a little while while I'm with you, you seek me just as I said to the Jews. So now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Listen to this, verse 34, after he washes their feet, he says this, a new commandment I give you today, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, 
you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you're my disciples and that you have love for one another. This is why this Thursday that we talk about today in old traditional Christianity, it's called Maundy Thursday. Maundy is basically comes from the Latin word mandate or mandate because this Thursday he gave them a new mandate or a new command. What's the new commandment? We know the commandments, Jesus. No, I give you a new commandment. Love your neighbor. The Old Testament says as you love yourself. Jesus took it up a level. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. What does that mean? You can't just love somebody from afar and say, I love you. Like, I love myself. I love you. Because you know what we're really good at? We're good. We invite people to dinner that can invite us back. We give people things that can give us things back. Loving your neighbor like Jesus loved us is lowering yourself to the point where I know this person can't do anything for me, but I love them the way Jesus loved me. That's the new commandment. And this is what Jesus left them. Come on, if we're going to change the city, if we're going to change Miami, if we're going to cause any kind of difference... It's not going to be about how spectacular our services are, how prolific our vocabulary is on a Sunday teaching. It's going to be how we love one another down in the dirt. That changes lives because it changed our lives. And by the way, if you're in here today and your feet are dirty, you picked up dirt along the way, I'm going to tell you Jesus still cleanses. And today he wants to cleanse you. Today he wants to forgive you. Today he wants to wash you. Today he wants to make you new. You don't have to walk out of here the same. You don't want to have to walk out of here bound. You can walk out of here free, washed, because Jesus is still cleaning feet. I'm thankful he washed my soul. Number one, you want to be great, live for others. Lower yourself. And number three, lay down in sacrifice. This is deep. This is beautiful. You got to go back and read the Gospels. What happened on this Thursday is amazing. He gets back to the table. And he starts giving them communion. You have to understand what happened this week was absolutely profound. He's giving them communion. They're about to take communion, which means the blood and the bread. And he says, I am the bread and I am the blood. This was absolutely an important week in Jerusalem. Everybody was there to celebrate Passover. If you don't know what Passover is, back in the Old Testament, when the Jews were in Egypt, Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. And Moses goes and God begins to send down plagues. The last plague is the angel of death, the 10th plague. But he told the Jews, if you grab a lamb and you sacrifice it and you grab the blood of that lamb and you put it over your door, when the angel of death passes, it will not touch you and it will pass over. When Jesus is with his disciples, this is Passover week. They are celebrating past deliverance, but also in anticipation for future deliverance. The same way the angel of death passed us over in Egypt, in the future we will not die but have eternal life. They just don't know Jesus is now the lamb. Now this is important because, because on Sunday, Palm Sunday, when Jesus came in on the donkey, that was called the lamb picking day. Meaning you and I, if we were Jews, we would go outside of Jerusalem, pick a lamb, and that day we would come in with our lambs that we were going to take to the temple to be sacrificed to cover our sins. Now how profound is it that on the day when everybody's walking on their lambs, the lamb of God is coming into the city on that Palm Sunday. And while everybody begins to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. They have no idea what they really mean. He is the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world, like John the Baptist said. You've picked your lambs. 
And those lambs are just a picture of dead religion. You trying to get right with God on your own. And that lamb may cover your sins for a day or for a year. But he's like, pick me. I'm the lamb of God that will take away your sins forever and ever and ever. You and I, we would grab our lambs. We would bring them in on that Sunday. They would be inspected for four days. And on the fourth day, they'll get ready to be taken for sacrifice. And in the temple, they would sacrifice the lamb, which would cover our sins for a year. And then at night, we'll have Passover where we eat the lamb. Jesus is like, I'm the lamb. Tomorrow, I will be sacrificed for humanity. You will eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. But the sins that will be forgiven is not temporary, but eternal forever and ever. Communion, he said, it's the blood of the lamb that took care of you in Egypt. But from here on out, I start a new blood covenant. And it's my blood that will keep you from death. And you and I will be passed over death into eternal life forever and ever and ever. What is love? What is greatness? To lay down our lives for one another. That we live for one another. That we lower ourselves down to the dirt. John chapter 15 verse 13. Jesus says, greater love, this is at the end of the dinner, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. I don't know, church, as I think about us as a church, as I think about all that God is doing in our Kendall campus, online campus, as we think about this city and the future plans that we have, you know what's going to make a difference? When we lay down our lives in sacrifice. I'm telling you, Miami will be shocked when they see people who are not egotistical, we're not trying to live great lives and in of themselves for their name and for their pride to be the drum major on the front of the line but when they see people who say I want to be great but I want to be great in service I want to be great in love I'll lay down my dreams my goals my, my ambitions to serve to give to love those who are broken those who are sick those who are ostracized come on that will change a city We'll celebrate and think about all that Jesus accomplished this upcoming weekend. Friday night, we'll gather together and we'll think about the cross and everything that happened at the cross. But this Thursday, he taught a whole lot. In the book of John, there's five chapters of all he talked about. But what he demonstrated, see, love is seldom an emotion, but love is always an action. And he demonstrated by action. I think about my life. I think about my marriage, my family. I think about my friends. You know how we'll make the biggest impact when we lay down our lives to love them. When I give up my rights to love others. When I give up things that I can do, that I can have to say, no, I'm going to serve and love a neighbor. That'll change a city. Why don't we stand up to our feet all across this place? With every eye closed, every head bowed, we're leaving in just one minute. If you're here in additional seating online and you don't know Jesus, Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you've been coming for a while, but you say, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you feel like that. You feel like dirt has been on your life and, and you're thinking, Alex, you have no idea what I've been through. I don't, but God does and he loves you. The bottom line is that dirt has been thrown on all of us. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. There's not one perfect person in this place. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. And the Bible says that our sin separates us from God, but God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him 
will not die but have everlasting life. What we celebrate this upcoming weekend is that death is not final for those who love and trust Jesus. Today, if you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness. I want God to forgive me of my sin. I want to put my trust and faith in Jesus. I need a brand new beginning. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're saying, I need forgiveness for my sins. I want a relationship with God. Today, I want to start all over. Forgive me. I want to repent of my sins. That means turn around. And I want to go in the right direction of life. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, if that's you, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Here, additional seating online. You tell the pastors on the chat that you're making this decision. If you're here, you raise your hand high enough, long enough for me to see you, then you put it right back down. You're saying, I need Jesus. Today, I need a new beginning. If that's you, at the count of three, raise it up for a few seconds. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. God bless you, God bless you. Amazing, amazing, God bless you, God bless you. Amazing, amazing. Come on, best decision of your life. Hallelujah. You can put your hands back down. I'm going to say a simple prayer, and we're all going to say it with you. And we got a gift for you outside. Come on, the whole church, why don't we say this out loud with them. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you rose again. Come into my life. Tell him, be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Take your honor. Come on, he's a good God. He's an awesome God. Hey, we're going to sing Hosanna one more time. If you raise your hand, hands went up everywhere. We have these gifts for you outside of the Connect Tent. Pass by. It's a free gift. No strings attached. There's a letter from me and Dana in Calvary. There's a coffee mug. There's a free Bible. Don't leave without this in your hands. We love you, and we're here for you. Come on, the rest of us is lift up our hands. Father, we thank you. As we prepare for Easter weekend, help us to love neighbors, families, spouses, the way you loved us. Hosanna in the highest. Help us to this week live like you, love like you, and serve like you. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.